Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash Lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Alexi, I thought it was fitting to do a walk to work video since this one will be way better than Rob Stone's. Uh, and I thought I'd put a scarf on because I know you love scarves. But in all seriousness, it's been an absolute pleasure to work with you, to sit next to you. I've learned so much. You've been so gracious with helping me. So thank you. And I want to congratulate you on 400 episodes of your State of the Union podcast. Truly amazing. I know there's many more to come. And Congrats. Alexi, congratulations on your 400th State of the Union podcast. That's quite a milestone. You've been a good friend and a broadcast colleague of mine for years. You're one of the best people that I know in this business. Here's to number 400 and good luck towards getting to number 500, which I know you'll get in the near future. Best wishes, Lex. Hey Lex, hey Masi, Sully, and everyone part of the State of the Union podcast crew. Congratulations on 400. That is absolutely incredible. I still remember when I started listening to uh, State of the Union in COVID and I would run to all of the episodes. I've been a big fan. Um, I know how much work goes into something like this. So absolutely incredible. Just wanna say hi and give you guys a shout out and keep up the amazing work. You know, Lexi, I remember being a guest on what was probably episode three or four of your podcast back in 2015. We taped it in your room at the Sheraton Hotel Weehawken, right near the entrance of the Lincoln Tunnel. It was before an MLS game, and it was a microphone clipped to the side of a plastic trash can. Suffice to say, the technical standards and production quality of the State of the Union podcast have improved significantly in the years since. Well, maybe that explains why I've never actually been asked back on as a guest. Anyway, congratulations. Hey, Alexi and all the crew at State of the Union, congratulations on your 400th episode. That's incredible. 400. Yeah, that's like the amount of people that have asked me how I'm friends with Alexi Lalas. You know, and I tell them, he's just the master entertainer. He's a good man deep down. Yes, sometimes I want to punch him across that ginger jaw, but I don't because he's my friend. You've been always loyal to me. You've always been a mate whenever I've wanted to talk shop or talk life. 
and uh, you're just the best at what you do. So congratulations, 400 episodes and more, buddy. Take care. Congrats to the both of you on 400. Just a few more episodes than the carpool lane ever produced. David Mossy putting up with Alexi Lawless for 400 episodes earns you like some type of humanitarian award. Both of you guys though, seriously, 400, big number, big number, congrats. Hey Lex, I just wanted to say congratulations on 400 State of the Union podcast episodes. I'm very proud of you. I'm a big fan of the show. As you know, I try to tell you and Mossy, I, I love listening to you guys. And I just think you do such a great job keeping all the soccer fans in line. Uh, I'm sorry I have no cool USA gear on. I really can't top Carly Lloyd's video. But I just wanted you to know how much I value you and love you as a teammate and friend. And congratulations. And I will see you soon. Hello, Sunshine. It's me, Stu Holden, wishing Alexi Lawless and David Mossy a huge congratulations on 400 episodes. A couple of things. One, amazing. 400 is a lot of work. You guys have been cranking out all of the content over the years. Number two, even more impressive, you actually found people to listen for 400 episodes and still going. Three, happy to be the leader in the clubhouse on appearances. Looking forward to many, many more, gents. Congratulations and... Size the day. Wow. Size the day. Wow. Wow. Well, hello, sunshine, for the uh, 400th time. Yes, it is our 400th episode. I am Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. This episode, as you saw and heard, we will be celebrating 400 episodes. And yes, we will be talking all sorts of uh, soccer and with our special guest, a return appearance uh, when it comes to Stu Holden. So welcome, Stu Holden. But first joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague for now over 400 episodes. You love him. You know him. Uh, a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you, my friend? And congratulations and thank you for everything that you have done over these last 400 episodes. Well, almost 400 now. We're in the middle of it. You know you're big when you can get Rob Stone to send in a video because he's not big on putting himself out there in social media. And so he <laughs> did that for us here. Um, but it is apropos that Stu is here because he's our most frequent and favorite guest. And in fact, probably the highest rated State of the Union episodes have been the ones where he filled in for me. So, <laughs> You well, know, I thought actually yeah. I was brought in here as like a marriage counselor or something for, <laughs> for the 400th. I'm sat between the two of you. So if you have anything that you want to grieve either side, I'm going to do my best Andy Cohen impersonation today because Mossy was saying some stuff in the production meeting. I don't know how I feel about it. So hopefully we get to 400 more here, guys. Well, for those that are watching, and I know a lot of people actually, that's the way they consume this, they watch it. You will see that we are on one of our beautiful sets here on the fifth floor at the Fox Studios. And the men and women behind the scenes have just done an incredible job. We got balloons, we got visuals, we got, as you said, uh, these incredible seats. We have some cupcakes, cu cupcakes coming. We will also talk a little bit more about the history and the background uh, of this pod as we go through the show and certainly at the uh, at the end of the show in terms of celebrating. Because it it, it should be celebrated. Uh, we have a long way to go and we want to continue onward and upward. But those that live and uh, work in the podcast industry and even those that don't will recognize, because by the way, everybody has a podcast, that <laughs> podcasts usually last 
if they last a year, that is incredible. Usually it'll last a couple months. Either people get bored, they go on to different things. Nobody listens. Uh, even uh, in our in our intro there to hear, you know, some of the people that do listen, it's been wonderful. And these are, you know, people within the industry and, and famous people out there. And thank you to all of them. But as I've told you guys each and every time um, that we've talked about the impact and the reach of this pod, I will go out and, you know, we saw Jenny Taft in the airport. I will go through airports and different places and people will come up to me and say, hey, I heard you say this on the pod or, hey, tell Mossy hello, or I really, really love the way that you approached it. And it's over the years, it's taken different forms and we have uh, bobbed and weaved and moved this way and that way in order to get to where we are right now. But uh, I am so thankful to all the men and women for all of those years that have worked behind the scenes, everybody that's come on the show, including you, Stu, uh, and everybody else. Uh, are you ready to light this candle? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to light it. First of all, you know, you talked about the autographs and the reach of the pod. I was there in Charlotte for a MLS oh, game yes. and a, a gentleman came up to me and gave me his phone and wanted a picture. And I thought, wow, he, okay, let's take a picture. He goes, no, can you take a picture of me and David Mossy, please? <laughs> and I was blown away and I was buzzing. I was like, Mossy, get over here. We're taking pictures. So my friend, Mossy, famous. Maybe that gentleman can win our giveaway, right? <laughs> he can, yes. And it's good that you mentioned that because as we have grown, we have more opportunities and we have more product. Oh, come on in. Come on in. Come on in. There oh, we go. Thank what? you. Thank this is, you. By the way, kit? this is a denim kit. Thank you very much. There by the way, go. the real star uh, of this podcast. Yes, You just exactly. got a glimpse Boy, of her. Wonderful. Um, all right, here we go. So this is a, as you said, a denim jersey. Uh, this is a replica, but I will say, having seen these over the years, this is as close to the original as I have seen. And oftentimes when you see these, and I'll get, I'll get them for the camera here. Beautiful. The numbering and the letters on the back, a lot of times they'll be just red. If they do have the white outline, that is much more authentic, as is the actual blue of the denim. So this is a, uh, a prize, prize piece that we will give away. And we have the ball here signed and all that kind of stuff. So keep on sending those things uh, through. We just love the fact that you are participating in this show. And let's be honest, creating our content. And if it's what you want to hear, then we're going to put it on and we're going to reward those people uh, for what, uh, what are we doing? Have you guys uh, watched anything interesting? Because we want to get to that too. Uh, another season of Lupin has dropped on Netflix. Oh, here we go. Uh, now it is in French, which is no issue for Stu and I, but we can get it dubbed for you, Alexi. Uh, but that is a, a show I like season three of that. Very good. Also this morning, I watched another episode of welcome to Wrexham, uh, which is that show that teaches Americans about real soccer mm, culture. Yeah, I lost my way on that. You still, you still really enjoying it. You're not liking season two as much. I, yeah. I just, you know, I, I was watching it. I watched five or six or seven and then I just didn't have the urge to go back. I guess because I kind of knew the story and it was developing in real time. So I felt that then there was a lag and a delay on then what was coming. And then I didn't feel like I was in, as intrigued about what was going to happen next. Uh, by the way, if you want to win this stuff, send in your comments, questions, concerns on that Ask Alexi, uh, whether it's on the, the social media platforms or on our State of the Union podcast hotline, all those different things. Just want to make sure we mention that. I I think over the years we've talked about the bling ring. You remember the bling ring, that uh, group of young kids up there in Calabasas that would target celebrities and go in mm. and steal stuff from their house? Well, there's another documentary out about the original 
bling ringer, I guess the ring leader, if you will, I think it is actually called the ring leader. And it goes into all the stuff that they did again, almost early this week when I was talking about the vapidness uh, of some of the people up in Silicon Valley, the reality is that when you talk about some of these young kids, I, I just, I turned to my wife at times and said, Oh my God, they just, they don't get it. And they still don't get it. It's still, they don't think necessarily that they actually did something bad. And I get the feeling the only reason that they even want to do these documentaries or is to have the camera on them. Look, we're all a bunch of uh, egomaniacs uh, <laughs> here in front of the camera as we are talking about this. But I also did watch the show that you recommended on Monday, The Gold. I was under the impression that it fit my criteria of a show being done with all of the episodes. So I blazed through five only to find out that there's actually six and that's not out until Sunday. Uh, miscommunication, because if you go back and listen, I did not say the show was done. I did say five episodes down, one more to go. <sighs> it's my first Andy Cohen moment. Let's run the tape. No, we don't have the tape. All okay. right, what are you watching, Stu? Uh, you know, I'm actually into the, the Beckham documentary, which I heard you guys talking about. My uh, mom just started. I just talked to her on the way in. She said yeah. to say hello to Mossy, but again, we had talked about it, and so hey. she and her husband are watching it now. You know, I, I grew up in that, United Arab being born in Scotland. My dad and his granddad were born Manchester ish, you know, just outside. So all United fans grew up with every United kit from two years old to 16 years old. So Beckham was kind of a big figure in, in my life as was Kig, uh, Giggs, Cantona, you know, all the greats throughout the years. And so it's very nostalgic. I, I've, I've enjoyed it. I know there's, there's some parts of the story that are missing, but I think it does a good job of, uh, you know, of, of even telling the, the highs and the lows of, of Beckham and his life and his career and really what he was able to achieve under so much pressure uh, throughout this time. So I have, I'm only through two episodes, okay. so I haven't got to Real Madrid or MLS section yet. Got it. Well, Mossy and I reviewed it on the, uh, on the pod earlier this week. If you want to check that out, Mossy, what do you got? One question on Beckham. Why would such a good looking guy have so many tattoos? Aren't tattoos for ugly people to distract <laughs> from their face? <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 he's edgy, you know, he's Beckham was, uh, Beckham's mysterious. I guess tattoos are mysterious. No tattoos here. I know you got a couple. I, I have one, not in, uh, you know, a place that necessarily <laughs> shows, but there is, I think it's a generational type of thing. There will be a whole generation that ages with the tattoo. Now it must be said that tattoos do not age well on skin. <laughs> when skin starts yeah. sagging as it does, even for all you youngins out there, it's going to happen. So when you are painting and putting all the different stuff on your uh, skin, just know that that skin is not going to stay firm and taut the way wow. it is when you are young. This podcast is all over the place. It's all already. over the Fitting place. All right, let's, let's definitely light this candle because one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on Stu was not just to celebrate uh, the 400 episodes, episodes, but also we find ourselves in yet another window. And with each and every one of these passing international windows comes an opportunity for us to see this men's national team as it progresses. And as it, I guess, hopefully evolves into something for all of us to be excited about and proud about a team that will make us believe as it goes into uh, not just 2026, but over the next two and a half years getting to 2026, including next summer in terms of Copa, Copa America. We talked a little bit about it. We want to kind of dive in on what this particular window offers for a number of different reasons, not the least of which they're actually playing some competition. And I think a lot of people who have been critical about the opponents will look and say games against Germany and Ghana. Okay, good. This is something where we can test ourselves and be critical uh, if necessary, about what this team is and about what this team isn't. isn't. In general, Stu, how do you see this window playing out? 
I genuinely feel that this is kind of the real beginning of the next cycle because of what has happened over the last, I don't know, nine, 10 months. And without getting into that, we all know all the things that happened and Greg Berhalter being to this point and the Gio Reyna stuff and yada, yada, yada. I, I feel like this is going to be the first time that I'm going into a window. It's not Oman. It's not Uzbekistan. It's Germany. It's Ghana. It's real competition. It's against a German team that's got their backs against the walls a little bit and trying to find their identity, new coach. So I think they're going to be as motivated as they have been, even though this is a friendly and, uh, you know, they're playing friendlies much like the U.S. are with regards to the 26 because they're hosting the Euros next year on home soil. So there's a lot of pressure. So I'm excited to finally see now Greg Berhalter on the field with his team against a top European opponent. And I think to give us a data point of where this team can be. This has to be said, though, within context. We're, we're going to draw so many conclusions from this because we just so don't we get do, that many right? chances now, right? And that's the reality of the situation. Copa America is going to feel like a World Cup next summer for the U.S. because we're like, hey, we have some actual competition in some real meaningful situations. So now, you know, like we have to take what we can from, from these friendlies. So you should act, absolutely expect and want to see a good performance from the U.S. You want to see them control periods of the game. You want to see them be dangerous in front of goal. All these things things that we continually ask, can they do against top level opponents? And I don't care what Germany's done in the last, you know, couple of still months Germany. that led to Hansi Flick being fired. It's still Germany. Look at their team. They're stacked. So I, I'm excited to see what comes of this window. We're excited about it. There are some in Germany that are puzzled as to why a team preparing for the Euros in Germany would schedule <laughs> two games in the United States against CONCACAF opposition, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, you mentioned Gio Reyna. He's in the squad. He's only played 25 minutes or so in the last several months. He finally made a season debut for Dortmund this past weekend against Union Berlin. Greg Berhalter called him up anyway. I said on the last pod, I think Berhalter just wants to rip the Band-Aid off and put this whole situation to rest. Is that how you see it? And if so, do you think it was the right move? So I do think it's the right move. I was slightly disappointed to hear that their first meeting was over Zoom. Uh, I, I think what transpired and how they got to that point, I, I do think that that was one that probably deserved an in-person meeting and a, you know, you could maybe parlay that in a trip and seeing a couple of other players. Regardless, I, I actually think that Greg is making the right move here because it's also a bit of, a, he's got his arm around Gio in a way because Gio, I, I don't think based on performances, certainly not from going back to June has warranted a call up. Because as you said, he's played 24 minutes in now, what, four, four months-ish? And so I, I think this is an opportunity for Gio to get a change of scenery away from Dortmund, back in with the national team, back into a happy place where I think he can be in and amongst the group. And you do need a Gio Reyna back integrated into the group in a way that is motivated and that he can contribute. I don't think you're going to see him start either game. I don't think he's he's clearly not match fit, not 90 minute match fit, but I think he's a guy that can be an impact player off the bench. But also now you get a chance where you have an opportunity in person to have multiple meetings if needed. And then for Gio to say, Hey, how's this scenario going to be for me now under Greg? What's the dynamic going to be like? What's the relationship going to be like? So it's, it's a mix of ripping the bandaid, but also I think some good coaching and a good recognition of the moment and an opportunity to use this where Gio's not in the best spot in his club career injury, physically, everything. And let's try to keep moving him along and get him back to his best. The irony of the Gio Reyna situation is that what got Greg Berhalter in some hot water, that, that Ted talk coming out public, um, you know, what he was talking about was the dynamic behind the scenes. And I think he'd be the first person to say that, well, that's 
that's okay to talk about, not in a public setting type. That's what I want to see. I mean, if mm. U.S. soccer really had their shit together, right, uh, <laughs> there would be cameras. Behind the crest? Absolutely. <laughs> you want to see a behind the crest that I will watch? It's the dynamic and the relationship and the communication or lack thereof between Gio Reyna within that group with Greg Berhalter and what that ultimately looks like. And I do think that if and when that next TED Talk comes and that it is public, I think it would be fascinating to understand what Greg Berhalter's thought process was. The other part of it is at a certain point, Look, this dynamic has changed forever. Their relationship is forever changed through their own actions and through the actions of others. But there's nothing they can do to put that back into the bottle. But there also comes a point where whatever animosity or ill will uh, or just bad blood you may have with somebody within a situation it becomes exhausting to continue it. And I do think that there will probably come a time where even though the relationship has changed, at least maybe this is more, more hopeful from my perspective, they can, they can move on, recognize the qualities, recognize the past and that history that has to never be forgotten, but maybe put aside in order for them to do great things. And I think they can do great things. And as Musk and I have been talking about, just from a pure practical standpoint on the field right now, there are some opportunities with Tyler Adams gone and with this team kind of in flux. When, when you think about Greg Berhalter, because I've said that I think he owes it to himself and to this team, and I guess to a certain extent to us, to evolve and change and show a different side of his coaching, and maybe it's just to get some of the pressure off him, do you think that he is able to do it, one? And secondly, do you think that he actually shows us some different looks as to how he goes about coaching this team? I, I think he's capable of it for sure. I, I think a big part of this is helping his team and players believe that they can do it at, at the top level. Now, England was the best example of that, that I think we yeah. saw in the England and the world cup where you saw a U.S. team step on the field against a top five opponent and play a game where we came away saying, wow, who, who would you have said if it was a blind test, yep. which was the better team? The U S were now then the game against the Netherlands in a knockout situation, we kind of crumbled a little bit. And some of that is coaching, but some of that I, I think again is on this, this group maturing and, and reaching their potential. So the question we're really asking is, can Greg help this group of players, which I think is talented enough, reach their potential. And so games like this against Germany, albeit a friendly and look, I, you know, we've played in friendlies. They don't have the same intensity as a Copa America, a, a gold cup, even a world cup. They just don't They're You know, I, I look at this German team, what type of motivation do they have after flying over to the U S and playing in a game that they know is probably more commercially driven than, you know, football purists, but this is a chance for this, for this U S team. So what, what does that mean from Greg's side? I think it's, it's got to be, and the focus will continue to be on, creating chances, being dynamic in the final third and scoring goals. We've got a number nine that can score goals at a high level. That's Balogun. He's doing it at Monaco. He did it previously uh, in Ligue 1. I, I think he can be that guy. We have Wea, we have Pulisic. You don't need me to list off the names of players. The talent is there. It's putting it all together now and having this team grow and believe that they can play against, but also putting them in spots to do so. And so that's, that's what I want to see. So do you like, think he changed his formation? No, I don't think he changed okay, his so formation. I, but I, I do think that within the formation, there's different ways of sure. building up, right? Like, I'd like to see us be more confident 
building out of a back three and pushing a fullback higher and getting more of McKenney and maybe even uh, Eunice Musa a little bit higher and closer to goal. And then having the space for Wea and Pulisic and Balogun to just kind of freestyle a little bit, you know? But, but, but if this, if this, and this could actually be something that could happen in the future. If this was a game against Germany, and this was the World Cup in 26, with everything that's, that's, that's going on right now, Tyler Adams out, does Gio Reyna start? If Tyler Adams is out and he's, and Gio Reyna is healthy? Yeah. Yeah, I think Gio Reyna needs to be starting. So he's he, one so of the most talented so players on this team. Him? You could play him wide right. I, I like the idea of him so playing him right. Out. I could play way right back. Right? So I mean, Dest I, is out. Dest can go to the left. <laughs> I mean, that, so that's Robinson's the, out. Maybe Robinson is out. Okay, you know, for a game, and then maybe Robinson. That's it, the we best have this part, wonderful though. situation. We have options left. Exactly, but this it's is good. a good. It's all fine and well. We have options, and I would much rather have options than not have options. But at some point, Greg Berhalter is going to be tasked with putting the best eleven on the field, and I'm just curious what you think that best eleven is. Now, look, we all know injuries happen, but if if the soccer gods smile on us, all of this talent that we have, all of this depth that we have is going to come to fruition. And when it's all there at Greg Berhalter's disposal, what is he going to do? And what would Stu Holden do in this situation? So where does Gio Reyna play against Germany this weekend? If, you're, uh, if, well, if, if this is a World Cup game. Uh, if it's a World Cup game, I play him uh, right wing. Okay, so Weya is out. Weya potentially is a right back. Okay, and Dest is out. Um, yeah, maybe. Okay, I, I think Dest is potentially more of a liability left back. I actually think, Masi, I'm interested in your take here because, you know, you've, Brazil, we know you love them. Uh, you, you have more talent than just about anybody. I think one of the, the best things that you can have now in today's game, you're going to go into a World Cup, right? Like, let's say you're the U.S. in 26. You're not expecting to play three games. In fact, you want to play at least five when you're thinking about that tournament, right? So you're never going to play the exact same lineup for 11 games. If you say that's my best 11, ideally for the biggest game, you want to have, this is what I feel is my strongest team. And I think to be successful in a World Cup, you don't just need... 13, 14 good players. You need 16, 17, 18. You and don't I rotate think, Neymar if you're going through a World Cup. No, but Neymar, Pulisic's going to play. We're not talking about getting Pulisic right, out, but right? This but is but Gio like, Reyna. This isn't a right back. This isn't somebody. But, I mean, Gio Reyna hasn't shown that he could even stay uh, healthy. Okay, fine. Right. Do you, I mean, where, where do you stand no, on this? I, but I, I think Alexi raises a fair point. Uh, at, there's going to come a day where you're going to have everybody available and you're going to play a must-win game. And so that's what we're going to find out what Greg Berhalter considers his best 11. And he does have a tough decision to make because as we've talked about, the U.S. from the midfield up has seven starting caliber players for six spots. And Adams, McKinney, Musa, Pulisic, Wea, Reyna, and Balogun. Uh, one of those can't fit in your best possible lineup. So that is and, a big call he's going to have to make on, someday. You know, yes. I mean, but in terms of this window, we did see under BJ Callahan, in the absence of Tyler Adams, the U.S. playing in a 4-2-3-1 with Gio as the 10. Tyler Adams out here. Do you think we'll see the U.S. in that lineup and Greg Berhalter really look to cultivate that as the default plan B whenever Tyler is out? Or would it behoove the U.S.? to develop other sixes so that they could still play in a 4-3-3 even when Tyler is out. We, we do have Leonard Maloney, Johnny Cardoso in the squad. Those guys getting minutes because Greg Berhalter feels like, no, it can't just be that whenever Tyler's out, we're, we're going to play a different formation. I still might want to play that 4-3-3 and I need to have other options at that six. I, I think it, we do need to have other options at the six, especially because, uh, you know, unfortunately, and I hate to see it, Tyler Adams is, you know, hamstring and injury problems have just mounted one after the other and we don't know how long it's going to be before he's back fully fit. I think Yunus Musa is totally capable in that position, but I don't see him in the same way 
in managing that same responsibility the way that Tyler does yet. I think Eunice is really maturing and developing well. The thing I like about the 4-3-3 formation, though, is that, you know, 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, it's, it's, you're flipping the triangle in the middle. And so you're just kind of offsetting the balance based on the opponent and the opposition. And I think one of the keys to really succeed at the next level of the international game is being able to withstand periods of defensive pressure and where Germany's going to be, let's say this is Germany, for example, Germany has the ball and you know that they're, you're under pressure for five, 10, 15 minutes to then be able to flip that off of a counterattack and then maintain high pressure and then control the ball and use the ball and use the possession. And so that, that that's what I'd like to see from this U S team is that is, can they do both? Can they withstand pressure? Can they then turn around and punch back? Can they keep the ball? Can they work Germany a little bit and, you know, really frustrate them? Cause I, I actually go back to, we covered the game. It was the UEFA nations league final Spain and Croatia. I mean, that was one of the highest level games of soccer that I had seen where both teams just were punching back and forth. And it was wave after wave of, you know, attacking pressure, high quality chances, great defending, no goals until late on. And then that game ended up uh, finishing in penalties, but it was just like, it was a very high level soccer IQ game. And I'd like to see our, our group develop to be able to play that type of game as well. Let's end on this, uh, you know, because we're, we're previewing and talking about these games that are going to come. And, and to your point, there will be another window and this isn't the be all and end all, but I do think from a Greg Berhalter perspective and from this team perspective, that this is, there's going to be a microscope on this window. <laughs> yeah. And I think rightfully so given the, uh, yeah. the opposition, let me take it out uh, and finish it off at a much higher level here. Um, and maybe this is an evergreen type of question, but, and you're of a, a different generation than I am relative to the national team. Moss, you've seen these teams over the years. There is the opinion out there that this team, and I guess more this generation, given the depth, given the talent, given where they are playing, and just given the eye test, is the best and most talented generation that we have had leading up to a World Cup. Uh, one, do you think that that is true? And it's hard to judge, but but tr- try to do it. And two, do you think that that will equate to, I guess, the promised land, whether that's winning a World Cup or doing something that hasn't been done in the past, notwithstanding going to, you know, a handball away from going to the semifinals of a World Cup with this group right now? Or have we really not made that much progress relative to the individual 11 that step out there on the field and represent the U S I think we've made real progress as a, as a soccer nation. And you see what has been done over the last couple of decades and the, you know, the, the, the work that has been done by, by players like yourself, Lex, and went over and played in Europe and, you know, changing hearts and minds and perceptions of what an American player is. But I also, I don't want to take any credit away from what this young generation and the way in which we now develop players at the academy level and the investment that has been put into that. And I think we're seeing that now finally paying off. Because I think when people talk about, I don't know, development, right? It's like, they think you're going to snap your fingers and two weeks from now, we're going to, hire a bunch of high level coaches and we're going to see these guys just turn into superstars. I think you're starting to see that now where these young players are coming out highly regarded, playing at big clubs, uh, reaching potential that I think, you know, I wasn't sure about this group of players Mm -hmm. three, three, four years ago, to be honest, when Greg went fully young in the middle of that last world cup cycle and part of his hand was forced by COVID and having a year of missed games and opportunities. And I think maybe some of the old generation might have been in, but then it was like, Hey guys, here's the keys. Like 
I've seen enough. Let's go for it. I was a little like, oof. Well, people are loath to give credit yeah. uh, to, you know, the American development system or the people that are involved in this. But to your point, this is seeds growing. Mm -hmm. This is something coming to fruition that was done before then. Ironically, in maybe the worst period when it comes to the national team, these were the seeds that are planted, and and now we see the fruits. Uh, And I, I do think that there are folks out there that look at this generation, and while they may be impressed, while they may be excited, I think there are also some people that that don't think that we have come as far as maybe you or I or others believe. Masi, I'll give you the last word before we go to a break. Uh, Stu, you were there, South Africa, 2010, round of 16. The U.S.'s second game in this window was against Ghana. Oh, you had to bring it up, huh? Asamojan, an extra time, <laughs> 2-1 Ghana, U.S. out of the World Cup. Does Ghana bring back some of your Crushing worst me memories? Here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was an awful... What a missed opportunity because you would have played Uruguay in the quarters, which was very I know, Uruguay in the next game, and uh, that's a game that I felt, we we didn't start well, we conceded an early goal, and then I felt for, you know, into extra time even, we were still the the better team that could have won the game, and John scored that, uh, that, that great goal, but you know, Ghana, we have so much history with them at, at world cups. I think they're always an intriguing team to, to play against this window. Again, like they're an unpredictable team. They're one of the wor- youngest teams at the Qatar 22 world cup. They've got, you know, some big time stars that, you know, the likes of Inaki Williams who plays at, uh, athletic club in, in Spain, Kudus plays at AC Milan. Uh, they've got some, you know, they're, they're young, they're talented. Chris Hutton is their coach. I was, uh, very random. I felt like a bit of a higher head and coach for a year and a half and is kind of, I don't know. He, he's an intriguing coach, coached a lot in England. So they're, they're a team again, that I think will cause us problems and challenges in a different way. And if you're thinking, well, Germany's the hardest, but then Ghana is going to be, no, Ghana is going to be, I think just as equally as hard as, as the German game in a different way. Now, because I'm an equal opportunity jerk, uh, Alexi <laughs> sure. was We've an unused sub <laughs> in 98, the opening game against Germany, 2-0 defeat. Jurgen Klinsmann among the scores oh, that day. I remember it Alexi, well. so resentful that he, that's why he was so biased against him when he was the U.S. coach. Uh, yeah, I've, I knew there was something there for uh, you. Oh, it's a whole Wait, Score pod. predictions. What do you got for it's this a, window? For this window? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Who are we playing? <laughs> Germany, Ghana. I think we do well. I think I think we beat Germany. Um, and I think we beat Ghana. You think we beat both? Yeah, yeah. I think we beat. I think we beat both. I, I don't think but, we beat Germany. I think we beat Ghana. Really? No, and yeah. and and I think somehow a segment of American fans will find so, find a problem with it. <laughs> I think those German players who are used to playing at Allianz Arena, West Allen Stadium, yeah, are going to yeah, be so intimidated like by Rensselaer Field. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, is, was it Goretzka or whoever was screaming yeah, was and yelling about, about it? But talk, well, no, no, I, I brought talk it up to in the, the beginning. Ball players that fly, you know, back there to are, South Tom, America. Thomas Tuchel went on a rant about it too. There are folks wondering, again, it's beneficial to the U.S., so we're happy they came here to play these games, but there are people wondering, if you're getting ready for the Euros in Germany, why are you playing friendlies against CONCACAF opposition in North America? It is a bit hey, odd. Hey, hey, Germany, it's okay oh to mix God. up your environment and get out of the bubble uh, every now and again, you know? It's all... I don't know how you say whiner in German, but man, <laughs> It's probably oh like man. this, das Weiner. Listen, uh, for those people that do follow Stu over there on the, uh, the gram and elsewhere, you will know that he lives an absolutely charmed life uh lifestyles of the rich and the famous uh every time i i flip it up he's somewhere else traveling all over the place i know you got to go down to uh to san diego we'd love for you to stay but if you got to go that's uh that's fine do you have to head out 
Uh, how long we got here? I don't know. I mean, you can, you can, I, I, we got other like stuff to talk about, and we like having you on. And you're, uh, <laughs> you know, important you're charity event. You know, giving back to the yeah. community. All right, well, we'll we'll, we'll keep you going here, and then if you have to uh, bomb out, you uh, you bomb out. But it is the 400th show, as we said, and we do have some other stuff to talk about and some other soccer around the world. So we'll take a quick break. Stu may or may not be back, <laughs> but if he's back, he will continue to uh, be with us. If not, he'll be heading down to San Diego for another big party with all his rich and famous friends. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Evidently, Mossy, we are just slightly above, or at least around, we hover around uh, Chrissy and John Legend in terms of our ability to retain friends and guests. Because Stu has said, yes, he will stick around for at well, least part that, of this. I might leave. Just part of this, uh, this segment. Well, thank you, Stu. There's all <laughs> sorts of stuff that is going on. Mossy, where should we start? Uh, because obviously the, uh, the window is not just for the U.S., but it's happening all over. Where do you want to start? I think we picked out some different uh, teams and games, right? Yeah. First off, just to check in on the U.S.'s CONCACAF rivals, Mexico play the same teams as the U.S. in reverse. They play Ghana first and then Germany. So that'll be interesting to do a little compare and contrast. Canada have a game away to Japan. And that's news because they weren't able to play any games in the September window because of their financial issues. So they were able to schedule uh, a game here. Remember Canada, John Herdman left recently to take over Toronto FC. Uh, Mauro Biello right now in charge on an interim basis. I'm reading he might get the job permanently. Canada living this kind of parallel reality because they do have this golden generation, Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, and they do have a World Cup they're co-hosting and look forward to. But because of their financial constraints, the perception is that's not a good job right now. Where do you see Canadian soccer at this point? Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what happens with, with Canada now because the way they rolled through qualifying the last time and got to Qatar and then... I don't know. It kind of predictably flamed out a little bit at it's the a pretty good group that they it, it, ultimately in yeah, terms of the, they, the teams that went on, but it, they still bombed out. Yeah. Tough group. And you know, I, I don't know if it was going to be possible to maintain that same level within CONCACAF. It did feel like Herdman was starting to, I don't know, tail off towards the end of that cycle. So maybe a fresh voice was be good. I had heard that, you know, and there was a, an article on this as well, that he had had a bit of a riff with some of the senior international players like, you know, Kyle Lahren and Alfonso Davies, et cetera. So yeah, I mean, let, let, let's see what happens with this Canadian generation because you thought there was expectations before home world cup. Now an opportunity for them to play in Canada in 26 as well. I, I feel like this needs to be a much better performance and you need to see a progression from this Canadian team. Well, well also remember and know your history in 1986 when Canada qualified, Everyone thought, oh, this is the coming out party and this is the start of something big. And we didn't see them again for 30 yeah, years. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, the U.S., who didn't qualify for 86, went on and we know what, uh, what's happened. But obviously Canada will be in 2026 hosting. You hope that that's happening. But, you know, when there are problems behind the scenes, either from a coach and the dynamic that's going on there, we certainly uh, know that that's not a good thing. How are you going to keep them down once they've, uh, you know, seen Paris? Uh, in this case, blazing through uh, CONCACAF qualifying, all of the attention, the Afonso Davies, all that type of stuff, and all of the, the aspiration and the belief behind this team. And if they can't live up to it, and 
we need Canada to be good. I want Canada to be good. And I think they can be good. But if there is dysfunction behind the scenes, when it comes to infighting, or when it comes to the business, and the reality of the business back there and the leadership that they have off the field, that's going to be a problem. Because what what Canada can't afford to have and is in this much greater opportunity in 2026, show up on that platform and shit the bed. That is not good. I don't know how they say shit the bed in Canada, Canadian, but that you know that's how we say it in American. Um, all right. Anyway, uh, so they play just one game in this Correct. in this window. They can't even play two games. No. Yeah, um, Ball World Cup qualifying rolls on. Uh, Brazil home to Venezuela and then away to Uruguay, who are now coached by Marcelo Bielsa. World champions Argentina home to Paraguay, away to Peru. Messi in the squad for those games. Fabrizio Romano came out today and said no chance of Messi going out on loan. There have been some reports because of the lengthy MLS offseason. He might look to go on loan somewhere. But according to Fabrizio, no chance. Stu, we don't get a chance to talk to you that often. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Inter-Miami eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, so just put the whole messy thing year one in perspective for us. I think a resounding success for for Messi, for Miami, for MLS. And I didn't care as much about, you know, MLS playoffs for them because I think when he came into the team dead last in the league, the league's cup, uh, you know, first year for for MLS and League MX to to put on this tournament, it actually made people interested and care about it and drew eyeballs. It was the best possible debut you could have hoped for. It got global attention. It got people excited about Miami. Uh, you know, I think the Messi experiment is it, it could end tomorrow, and I think it would have been a great, you know, uh, a great success at this point. But we have years to come of Messi. You know, knock on wood. Mossy, why should I care about uh, come to bowl qualifying? me. Given the fact that six teams. No, we've out talked of the about it. It's farcical now. It's okay. 10 teams I mean, fighting for six and a half players spots. And some great teams right yeah. now. But as far as the qualifying, it's if Messi is healthy and knock on wood, he is. Uh, and he still plays for Argentina. They're going to they're going to qualify no matter what happens in these games that we are watching. No, I agree with you. Yeah, it's made. I mean, Brazil and Argentina were already virtually 100 percent locks anyway. So and it's, now it's six <laughs> and potentially seven or it's just six, six and a half. Yeah, six automatic. And then a, a team goes to the playoffs. So, <laughs> so potentially seven out of yes, the ten are going yeah. for the 2026 uh, World Cup. All right. One interesting note on Brazil. There's uh, the same guy, uh, Fernando Geniz, is doubling up right now, coaching Fluminense and the Brazilian national team. And he has two massive games coming up in his career in November. November 4th at the Maracanã, Fluminense, Boca Juniors in the Libertadores final. And then November 21 at the Maracanã, Brazil-Argentina World Cup qualifying. So talk about a guy that has a... Could make, make or break him in like literally a week. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. an interesting November to look forward to. Ancelotti is confirmed Brazilian coach starting next year. Is that... It's, is that it's no, nothing official, official, but he actually received his doctorate from a university in Parma in the last couple of days. And the guy got up there and like wished him luck in his upcoming adventure as Brazil coach. And like nothing had been announced yet. It's like, is this the guy that's going to break the news? Some like professor oh in Parma. Fascinating but, guy, Ancelotti. Yeah. yeah. But, but I am wondering about Messi because he wants to keep playing for Argentina and with Inter-Miami eliminated from the playoffs, he's not going to have any games in between windows. Is it automatic that... It's messy, so of course you call him up, no issues. Yeah, it's messy. It's messy. Messi could stroll around the, his local park for two months and turn up and play a game of soccer better than 90% of the population. Plus, they've already announced that they're doing international games with Inter-Miami postseason. So they're going to take... Oh, yeah, they're going to do a tour. They're going to go correct? on a tour. Yeah. And this oh. is right out of the David Beckham playbook. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wanted to call up Chris Henderson and said, good luck with that, because I remember doing it with Beckham, and you, you make a lot of money, but it is... Uh, 
uh, it's it's interesting and uh, and they will make a lot of money i think given uh, the opportunities especially uh, with messi uh euro qualifiers yeah, any, so next door to business there? is euro qualifying uh nobody's qualified yet but in these next upcoming match days we're going to have some teams for sure uh big one on thursday i'm looking forward to spain will host scotland in seville uh scotland only need a point uh they have perfect five wins out of five so far I know that's your second favorite team the after the mighty US. Mighty Scots, yeah. Uh, Scott Scots McTominay. on what they've been doing. Scott McTominay scoring goals Incredible. for fun. Steve Clark's Tartan Army. I, I, I think, you know, obviously having family back in Scotland and, and feeling the buzz around that team right now. And yeah, it's it's exciting. I, you know, I, I don't know what the expectation should be at the Euros. But I do think it's a foregone conclusion, conclusion that they do qualify for that tournament. But that, you know, it looks like a a handy group of players and a team that's well coached and you have Andy Robertson and Scott McTominay and, you know, guys that are performing well and they, they've been phenomenal in qualifying. Let's see her. What else you got here? Friday, Marcy? England, Italy. Uh, we'll get to okay, that. Right. Um, Friday, uh, Austria, Belgium and Vienna. Great game. The winner clinches a berth. Uh, and then a game we're covering Netherlands, France and Amsterdam, Keith Kosigan and Warren Barton on the call. And France, with a win, would clinch a birthday. Won the reverse fixture in Paris 4-0. Judy Boyd attended that match. Oh. Uh, so we'll see if Netherlands can strike back here. Uh, what, what do you think of Mbappe in France right now? Anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, Mbappe in France, is, it's like they, they're kind of in cruise control, I feel like, to the point when they actually hit the tournaments and then they, you know, they go storming through. Actually lost in their last friendly match against Germany, which was Germany's first win in however long. Uh, so, you know, look, I, I don't ever worry about this French team. Didier Deschamps still there. Mbappe is still there. Giroud still there. The that, goalkeeper that, extraordinaire. By the way, that was interim boss Rudy Voller orchestrating that win for Germany and then just dropped the mic. And no walked it. out. Yeah, Beat I France. went too. That's it. Um, then in the second match day, we've got Norway, Spain, which is interesting. We've got Belgium, Sweden. And then you mentioned it. Uh, very excited about this. Uh, Tuesday, FS1, England hosting Italy at Wembley. That was the final of the last Euros, uh, England, also Italy at Wembley. Finale, no, that was in Argentina, Italy. In uh, Wembley, yeah. We did the reverse fixture. England won 2-1 in Italy. It was their first win over Italy in Italy since 1961. It was 2-1. Declan Rice, Harry Kane with the goals. Retegi scored for Italy. Now they meet again. Uh, what are your thoughts on the three Lions? Uh Three Lions are very, very strong. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, though, because they're kind of still bringing in some new players. Uh, and, and there's rumors this is going to be Southgate's last major tournament, potentially, depending on how they do at the Euros the next summer. Uh, you know, constant, I don't know, as always with England drama over selections and, you know, should Jordan Henderson still be there and should Harry Maguire, et cetera. But, uh, you know, I, I still feel like England and certainly in qualifying the way in which they performed in Italy now going home, yeah, I, I think this is going to be England's game because I, I don't even know as much what to make sure make of Italy at the moment. Mancini has gone now. He's gone to Saudi Arabia. Not for the money, though. His oh, yeah, mother okay. came out. She was yeah, deeply no, offended. Anybody would suggest that. Yeah. You even insinuate that uh, that could... Two quick, quick England notes and we'll move on. I'm very curious to see what position Jude Bellingham plays for England now oh because gosh, he's been I playing much guy, farther yeah. up the field for Real Madrid, getting all these goals and assists. Southgate surely has to react to that. He can't just keep playing in a, in a deeper midfield position now that we know that he has this sort of attacking prowess. Number two, you, you know, they didn't go after Bolligan that aggressively. And throughout that whole time, they had this air of like, well, he's a big deal for you. We don't need him right. that much, given all the options we have. And I keep looking at that squad. Obviously, Harry Kane, as long as he's there, they're fine. 
But, you know, Eddie and Ketia is getting calls. I don't know. Who, who would you rather have? Ivan Tony maybe back in when he's yeah. done with his band. But I think that other center forward spot is an issue for them. And they, years from now, they might look back and rue the fact that they didn't. They can't take Flo back, right? <laughs> okay. We got him. He's ours. The ship sailed. <laughs> uh, all right. So as you mentioned, all sorts of stuff when it comes to qualifying uh, Scotland and France and Belgium and Portugal with wins, they all go through. So the, the field will be starting to uh, take shape for that tournament that, by the way, you can see next summer right here. On Fox, Fox. Sports, baby. Uh, shall we transition uh, and talk a little bit about uh, MLS? Yes. Because we are down, as we've said for the last couple of weeks, to the, the business end. I will just a, uh, a an addition to, I think, what I spoke about last week when it comes to my MVP criteria. Uh, I come to find out that right now it is down to two people. Uh, one, Brian White uh, for the uh, Vancouver uh, Whitecaps. And two... Uh, Georgios uh, Jakumakis from Atlanta. One's at 14, whereas White is, and, uh, and Jakumakis is at 13. But I also come to find out that if White wins, he's not on the nominee list for MLS MVPs. Now, I think I can write him in, but uh, this is just sacrilege and complete disrespect, not only for Mr. White, uh, but for Canada in, in general right now, because I think ultimately he is, uh, he is going to win it. Stu, uh, you, still, uh, you, st- you still talk about uh, MLS and follow MLS, right? I do, yeah. Okay, well, that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, just before we, before we get into the, uh, the nitty-gritty here at the, at the end, how do, you, how do you look at this whole season as to what has happened? And... I'm interested in your thoughts, given what has happened with uh, with Apple. And obviously, I know you and uh, John uh, are still doing MLS games when we do our MLS game of the week. But from an off-field perspective, from a business perspective, I'm always interested at what you think, because you think about the game, you're an owner with a team and all that kind of stuff. So in general, how do you see the 2023 season mm. of MLS? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, look, I, I think one of the things that this, this year has shown is that uh, we, we talk so much about talent on the field. But I think talent off the field has been proved equally as important. And, and I'm talking about sporting directors, GMs, club presidents. And the two examples that I have are FC Cincinnati and St. Louis City. Because for what they've done in their first year, and they went out early and hired Lutz Van Steel and Bradley Carnell yep. and uh, recruited players and had players in place before the season even started. And they have have blown... Uh, records out of the water for a team's first year in Major League Soccer. And to me, that comes down to planning before, having an idea, having an identity, buzzword, 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 but ultimately having results on the field. And I think that comes from laying a good foundation. FC Cincinnati, uh, historically worst franchise uh, up until the last two years. And what they did finally went out and got a good sporting director, um, Chris Albright, got a good young coach in Pat Noonan, who, you know, admittedly, I wouldn't, uh, didn't expect the type of success he would have so quickly, but he also had experience in his backroom staff, Dom Kinnear, Kenny Arena, down the list. And uh, Cincinnati now supporter shield for the first time in their history, first trophy in their club's history. So I think those are good things to say and also see And then also lessons now for other uh, teams across the league. When it comes to Apple and the deal that they did in TV, of course, you know, I'm a little disappointed that we don't get as much of national exposure, I don't feel like, because sometimes it's hard to step out of our bubble. We're soccer people. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are soccer people and we eat it up and we consume it on a day-to-day basis. 
I, I I don't think that you still have the the type of mainstream and, and MLS maybe it, it never was in the you know the NFL NBA uh, MLB type conversations but you know I I don't for example right like I'm a small example I'm walking through an airport now on a on a day when MLS games are on I never see a game on TV whereas if it was on ESPN if it was on Fox if it was on whatever. It's it's maybe casually on there, right? And people are intrigued and interested, and they'll flick it on. You actually have to go and seek it out. And I know it's they they show a ton of games for free if you have an app, if you have the Apple app, and you know you you at least have an inkling of what to do. You can get a and consume a lot of content. But that's the trade off. It the is tra- the trade off. Trade off for and ten year, two point five billion dollar totally, deal, uh, but possibly being out of sight but, and but mind I wonder, in a traditional sense. I, I wonder what. I don't know what momentum you potentially lose heading into 26 when I think we're going to get more and more eyeballs on the game in this country. And you can still consume so much linear soccer, but also, you know, digitally Peacock and, you know, NBC that's become appointment viewing. I I will say, I don't feel that the seven 30 window has become as, you know, as appointment viewing as they would have hoped. It's maybe been better for attendances. I think, I think I saw some numbers and, how many people are attending games, but the reach is what I I still want to keep touching different parts. And I think globally, it's had a great impact that you can be a messy fan and watch a game in Argentina and watch a game in Australia. We could watch all the leagues cups game when we were in Sydney, that's been a huge, uh, huge plus. And I think it's been groundbreaking in the way in which soccer has covered around the world. So I I think for MLS in the long run, I think it will be deemed a success and that the trade-off will maybe be seen as worth it for them going forward. All right. So last weekend will be next weekend when it comes to the play. We'll have who, you know, survived the cut, the musical chairs, who has a chair, who, who, uh, who doesn't. You're a gambling man, Stu. Who do you, Mm. if you had to put all your money, who you at winning uh, MLS cup? Oh, uh, you just talked about I, how much yeah, you love yeah, no. uh, Cincinnati. You I, might as well I've, marry them. But, but I don't think they're going to win. I, okay. I I would take uh, the Philadelphia Union over Cincinnati in a really? playoff in a playoff game. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Mossy, anything uh, tickle your fancy there when it comes to MLS? No, I mean, there, there are some games over the international break to get everybody to 33 matches played, uh, including three games this upcoming weekend. Uh, Dallas, Colorado, if Dallas wins, they clinch a playoff berth. Nashville, New England, both teams in just fighting for seating. And then Galaxy RSL, RSL just fighting for seating. So we'll keep an eye on those. We'll talk about them. And again, it, there are certain windows where MLS gives teams the option of playing. I know that's a source of consternation <laughs> for people. And so ultimately you make a business decision as to whether you want to do uh, whether you want to do it uh, or not. And as we said, we're coming, uh, we're coming down to it. We talked last earlier this week about all of the changes when it comes to managers and coaches out there, there will be a um, influx of new, to your point, talent, whether it's in the coaching positions or the GM positions next year uh, with those teams that did not like where they finished. A lot of them obviously finishing below that line. And there will be some changes when it comes, uh, comes to the top, even you know, places like new England uh, uh, going forward to your points Stu, it's still La Cosa Nostra. It is still, it is still our thing. Uh, I love it. Yes. Times have changed and we risk being grumpy old man, men talking about this in the age where my kids and your kids they don't see any difference when it comes to linear and that's how they digest and get their not just sports, but entertainment and going forward, they might not look at it, uh, Apple or anything else in, uh, in any difference from a traditional sense. It's absolutely true. I think that there is less visibility. I think that there is less therefore um, relevance 
of Major League Soccer than there has been in the past. And maybe the folks at Major League Soccer are looking around the corner and they can see ahead. And this was done with an eye to the future. And as I mentioned, billions of dollars, that's not something you, when you have that burden in the hand you want to take, especially if you're a league that is still, it is still, uh, still growing. But I'm, I wonder what they ultimately have given up. Or again, if we're just uh, grumpy old Manning. Uh, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we will have our uh, Ask Alexi segment. We are going to say goodbye hey, this time now. I at this go. point to Stu Holden. He's going to head down to San Diego and uh, eat caviar and Your drink champagne up, with beautiful you know. people. Thank you, Stu, for uh, for hanging out with uh, us on this 400 show. On my on my way out here, congratulations, Thank guys. Four, 400 episodes is a heck of an achievement. I see this guy traveling with his microphone and his bag <laughs> everywhere, and we're doing podcasts in his uh, hotel room. He's cranking it out, uh, but... Listener of the show, fan of the show, happy to be a appearance leader in the clubhouse if you have me back. The great Stu Holden. Thank you, my friend. All right, we'll be back in a sec. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE Trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Okay, welcome back. It's time for Ask Alexi, that part of the show where you send in your comments, questions, and concerns. And you can use that hashtag Ask Alexi on all the uh, social media platforms out there. And keep in mind that it's SOTU with Alexi, or you can call into our State of the Union podcast hotline, which is 657 549 2297. That's 657 549 2297. Mossy, what do we have uh, this show? Uh, first up, a Twitter question, some context here. You were recently asked on Twitter about the outlook for MLS for the next five years. You listed a bunch of things. One of them was adding more teams. You suggested Vegas, Detroit, San Antonio could be locations. So in reaction to that, at Lardacious asks, but Alexi, do we need more teams than we have now? Do we need more teams? I would actually say yes. And I, I will... Uh, some little context, a little context here from the moment that MLS started back before you were born, Mossy, back in uh, 1996, when we came about and even before, as we ramped up for 1996, there was a constant mantra of don't make the same mistakes twice. And a lot of that was in reference to what the NASL was and then folded and the mistakes that they made, especially when it came to expansion. And I was, right there saying, hey, we, we have to take a slow and steady approach and we really have to be careful not to uh, get too far ahead of ourselves. Now, 30 years later, I think that the landscape of American soccer, I think you'd agree, has fundamentally changed. And I think for the good, we talked a little bit about Stu, about you know, sometimes we kick ourselves for what we haven't done, but we also have to recognize and pat ourselves on the back for what we have done. doesn't mean we don't have a long way to go. But when it comes to the size of this nation, and I guess when it comes to MLS, you're talking about the size of the nations with Canada and Mexico. But even if you're talking about USL and NWSL, there are plenty of markets out there that I think could uh, not just, you know, have teams that survived, but thrived. 
the definition of what a soccer market is has drastically changed. When you talk about, you know, I don't know, uh, Cincinnati or Nashville or Austin or places that growing up, while they may have had soccer, they were not looked at as soccer markets, either from a playing standpoint or from a business standpoint. A country our size has so many different markets that I do think could benefit from soccer teams and could sustain and nurture a soccer team. Also, I would submit in a different way than other sports and other professional teams. Does it mean that absolutely every market has to have an MLS team? No. So I think it's inevitable that MLS is going to, as I said in the previous show, continue to expand, certainly not at the rate that we have seen over the last 10, 15 years, but they are going to be judicious and it's going to become less and less uh, desirable, I guess the word is, because of the amount of money that you need in order to buy an expansion team and then, you know, do fund that and stadiums and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, to your, to your point, I, I don't think that having more teams in a country and countries like the United States and Canada is necessarily detrimental. Now the structure, and I talked a little bit about that on the previous pod, I think has to be commiserate with this expansion with the more and more teams that we have. But again, why would I ever want to stand in the way of a market that has an ownership group? Uh, it has to be deep pocketed because you don't want somebody being fly by night. You want somebody that's going to be there and is thinking about a long-term investment uh, and believes in the city and the market that they are in. Why would I want to deny any big, mid, or small town market out there in the United States from the opportunity to do and to experience what we have seen in some of these markets. And it's beyond just the actual kicking the ball. It's an identity. You know, Stu was talking about in the last segment about identity. Well, a lot of these soccer communities now look at themselves and look at their community through the lens of soccer. And that's wonderful. And the supporters culture that arises and how they identify with the city and with the history of the city and how they incorporate it into that. And it goes beyond the actual 90 minutes. So no, I don't think that, that it is, that it is a problem. And I also don't think that in doing so, we face the problems that back in the seventies and eighties, the NASL did by expanding and expanding too quickly. The only thing I'll say is, there does seem to be this growing sentiment that you don't need this much parity. It's okay to allow some super clubs to emerge, some teams to be able to stack a mm -hmm. lot of good players. And the more teams you add, there is a watering down component to it. So that would be what the What do you mean? Is watering down in terms of talent? Yeah. If you want every team to at least be pretty good, which has been sort of a stated goal of MLS uh, since the league started, to at least be able to compete, then whatever good players come to the league are kind of spread out relatively evenly across all the teams. So the more teams you add, there's a bit of a watering well, down. There, yeah, I mean, if there was only 10, 12 teams in the league and the same amount of quality players were still coming, but you can make the argument that without the expansion and without the new investment, that's really what has driven the desire for these players to come. And again, 
we are in the marketplace of the world when it comes to talent. It means that it's more competitive because everybody's in the marketplace of the world, but also it means the pool is that much greater than relative to, you know, hockey or basketball or American football in terms of what they, they have to, but it's a good, it's a good question. I think it's something, it's, it's something to think about and it's something to always be wary of that. But when was the last time an expansion team in major league soccer failed or has been poor in terms of the decision to have a team in that, even the, you know, the relocated teams, whether it's going to Houston, whether it's, uh, you know, certainly going to Austin and these types of things, it, it has worked out and I'm not wishing it on anyone. And there will come a moment where something doesn't work out, whether it's for reasons that are beyond their control or not, who knows, but, um, again, that footprint of what major league soccer looks like right now. And again, I'm going to throw in USL and NWSL in terms of just professional soccer in places. I think that there is still room to expand. And I think because of the unique aspects of our country and culture and just the geography and the size that there are still pockets and places that soccer can go to and can be not only a success, but not detrimental to the overall venture, whether that's a league or whether it's just the sport in general. What else, Masi? Next up, Stevens in the Sahara uh, on Apple Pod Review. I love the pod, especially the Twitter Spaces episodes where we can call in. Fun fact, I listened to this pod while my wife and I were in the hospital waiting for our daughter to be born. Oh my goodness. And then the question is, should we be concerned that McKinney and Weah seem to be in direct competition for the same spot at Juventus? Well, first off, a couple of things. Uh, Steven, uh, number one, thank you for the Apple Pod review. We've talked about how important those are uh, out there, and especially if you're going to give us a good review, and this is a, a glowing review. Uh, secondly, I, I think we, and I want to speak for you, but I'm, I'm very happy and proud that we were able to provide, I guess, the soundtrack uh, of uh, the daughter being born there and give somebody at least a moment of respite and peace which, uh, during which, what can be a pretty stressful type of uh, situation. So my best to your wife uh, and to you. And I don't know how old your daughter is now. We've been doing this now for a number of years. Regards to your, your actual question here and the, <laughs> the concern, you know, as we've said, uh, you know, over the years, what somebody does with their club situation doesn't always translate to the national team. Uh, when it comes to, you know, Weston McKinney and, and Wea, I'm not sure that while they may be in competition when it comes to that right side, and we've seen them on the field together, so they can make it work, whether it's on the right side or Weston pulling uh, in. I think both of these players have shown that they can come into a situation and Weston McKinney's kind of come back to a situation and very quickly prove their worth and their value to whatever manager it is in whatever type of situation that in and of itself is a good thing for the U S as we said, we look at this through the eyes of red, white, and blue colored uh, glasses. There will come a point maybe where from a club perspective, it may be one over the other. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But that they are competing against each other and they are both Americans. Is that, is that ideal? I guess no, but I also don't think it's detrimental to the ultimate prize in terms of the way that we look at it from the outside, which is the national team doing well. I don't know. What do you think? Mosey? 
on both McKinney and Way in the squad for these upcoming games against Germany and Ghana. And, and he mentioned he likes our Twitter spaces. Uh, we will uh, do spaces on X after each of these games, Germany and Ghana. Yes. So Saturday, immediately following the U.S.-Germany game, uh, we will be doing a Twitter spaces. You can join us over there. I guess it's X now and X spaces, if you will. Uh, and it's really cool. We, we, enjoy, we enjoy doing those things because there's a live aspect to it. And there is an interaction uh, when it comes to people calling in for those that don't that aren't on Twitter or X uh, over there. People call in and we can do that. Uh, we can do that live. But don't worry if you're not on X, it's OK, because it will still show up in your feed and you can hear it. And, and as I said, sometimes there's First off, it's in, it's immediate because it's it's you're you're getting the true feelings of the American soccer uh, fan out there, and you know sometimes they ask questions that I didn't think about, and it's fun to kind of review what we just saw in that raw type of moment. And while it will be following the game, you can ask other questions about other things too. And we do talk about uh, different things there, but we'll do that after the game on Saturday against Germany. And then it should be noted that next week, we will not have the Monday show in terms of recording it on Monday that we normally do because the U S plays Ghana on Tuesday, but immediately following the Ghana uh, game, we will also do a spaces there as a wrap up and a review of what we saw against uh, Ghana. So at that point, Masi, my prediction of two wins in this window will have come to fruition. I will be sitting there, uh, you know, uh, telling everybody I told you so. What else you got? Well, very quickly on the McKinney-Way situation, the last game against Torino, he did finally play McKinney in the midfield and Way started at right wing back. So Allegri has shown a willingness yes. to play McKinney at his proper position and get them both in there. But yeah, prior to that, they were fighting for that right wingback spot, which is a little odd because in a U.S. national team context, you would never think of Weston McKinney and Timmy Way as two players that are battling for the same position. Now, in a sense, if you decide that Gio Reyna has to be in the starting lineup, the two places you could put him are uh, at the 10 or in the right wing. So that could devolve into a debate about who are you willing to part with more McKinney or way, but that wouldn't be them directly competing for each other. That's sort of indirectly them fighting for. Well, this is that universal question uh, that I think fans have. Uh, and I think coaches have to deal with of, do I, do I just find a way to get the best soccer players on the field and just make it up? And it depends, you know, Germany might be different in the way they approach it as opposed to the U S and, and, and Greg Berhalter. And again, it's these, these nice problems to have in terms of the talent and the depth uh, that we have. So we'll see ultimately where they play, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry Steven uh, when it comes to, McKenny and Weah. I mean, they're playing, they're playing in a great league. They're playing on a great team and they have obviously already proven their value. Can I just say, sure. I can't imagine his wife was thrilled that while she's giving labor, he's <laughs> listening to our pod. Well, we appreciate that he has priorities in his life. Uh, and you know, his wife is certainly more than, uh, able to call up and express her displeasure with him and, the, the pod, if that is the case, because she can call up on the State of the Union podcast hotline, which is 657-549-2297, as all of you can. Or you can uh, be like uh, others and send in your Ask Alexi questions out there on the uh, social media platforms, SOTU with Alexi. And we thank everybody for doing that and remind you again about those spaces that are coming up that Stephen, and I'm just going to assume his wife and his young daughter all will be on and enjoy. All right, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we will not only wrap up the show, but we also reminisce being that this is our 400th show. Don't go anywhere.
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Okay, welcome back. It is the end of our show. And at the end of each and every show, I give you my one for the road. As we uh, have mentioned, this is our 400th show. Can you believe it, buddy? This, uh, that, that, is, uh, that is amazing for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that uh, podcasts traditionally do not last past their first months. And the fact that we started this in February 2018 and that we are still going strong. And listen, it has to be said, it has changed dramatically uh, in aesthetic and tone. Obviously, you and I have been a constant. This is actually a picture for those that are watching of you and I on the very first day. What are you wearing there? Is that a PSG jersey? Yeah, I don't know if you recall, but early on when we started doing this pod, uh, we were going to do this little bit where I was going to wear a different team's jersey every episode. And as often as I could, I tried to make the jersey relevant to that episode. And when we started in February of 2018, it was right before a Real Madrid PSG Champions League round of 16 tie that we were going to be talking about on that show. So that's why I wore my Neymar PSG jersey. That was Neymar's <laughs> first season with PSG. And yeah, if you go through like subsequent episodes for the first few months that we did the pot, I was always wearing a different team's jersey. In that, uh, speaking of what we were wearing in that, in that uh, picture, I'm wearing a black velvet type of jacket. And I proceeded to wear it every single show until uh, a friend of mine, uh, kindly called me up and said, you may want to change it at a, at, at a certain point. And, and all of that is to say that we have changed a lot. That picture was also taken in our really, really old digs down in Playa in basically a closet or a redone type of office. And we just kind of brought in whatever memorabilia we had and just made it our, uh, our own. We have gone through uh, a number of producers over the years. Can you name all our producers? Are you able to? Yeah, do the first ones were, it was a tag team of Alex Dowd and Francis Arthur. Yes, that's right. And then what? Then where we go well, to? Well, Francis Arthur left. Right. I was deeply resentful. I've taken numerous shots at her through the years. And now in a crazy twist, she's now our boss essentially because she's been put in charge of this podcast. So, she, Well, she needed to go out into the world and recognize that she never had it so good as yes. when she was with the state of the uh, But yeah, so then, um, what was it? Luis, Jeff, we had Luis. Jeff Hernandez, I remember Jeff Hernandez, Luis Aguilar. Uh, Luis Aguilar. My goodness, we had all sorts of uh, folks over there. And then who's the guy now, does it? Huh? Uh, oh, producer Sean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's still on a, it's kind of still a probationary type of thing yeah. when it comes to producer Sean. And and given the uh, Spinal Tap drummer-esque type of uh, in and out that we have when it comes to producers, I mean, he shouldn't get too comfortable uh, going forward. Do you remember how it all came about? I went back and looked at some old emails <laughs> as to what was going on. You had done uh, I guess, radio or podcasting with our friend Eric Winaldo over there in Sirius. And so I had already kind of heard and folks out there had seen yeah. your incredible Th- This abilities. is how I, I vaguely remember it. We were okay. talking off the air. We, neither of us right. really remembers the exact <laughs> details here. But 
Yes. Um, I did a radio show on Sirius XM with Eric Winalda for a couple of years. And when Eric first asked me to do that, people at Fox thought he was nuts because that uh, Mossy is not going to translate on the air. You know, he's kind of a weirdo. Um, but lo and behold, we were actually pretty good. We had good chemistry and yeah, people got okay. to see you. And meanwhile, you were doing, was it like the Mutant Gene podcast? Yes. It was, you did a podcast yep. for Fox. Your sidekick was this guy named Max Odenheimer, who was my assistant at, at Fox as a researcher, who's brilliant, who's since gone on to great things. He works in LAFC's front office. He's yep. like their main analytics a guy. A genius, a genius. Yeah, yeah, very smart. To, but he, had um, big, he had bigger things in mind. Yeah, but so you did that for a while. I think you got bored with it. You yep. stopped. And then Eric uh, quit our radio show to go work, to go run for U.S. Soccer Federation president. And so it was somewhere in there where somebody had the idea of, well, wait a minute, let's try to resurrect this Alexi podcast, but let's grab Mossy. We've already seen him uh, you know, do a show with Eric, you and Eric, although you don't like to admit it, there's some similarities there in your personalities. And <laughs> you do, so you need the right kind of person to be able to deal with you guys. And so I had already shown I could do that with Eric. So why don't we pair him with Mossy? And yeah, so that, that's how I remember well, it, it came about, about because I had seen you and, uh, and heard you. And obviously we had worked together and I thought that this would be something that could work. And I uh, am at least aware enough to know that I need help. And you have given that each and every day. I was uh, listening back to some of the uh, some of the old podcasts, and you mentioned the uh, what would have been the USSF presidential election and all the drama that went on behind the scenes. That was one of the biggest stories initially when we were when we were, when we started this pod about what we were doing. Um, you know, we have gone through you know different versions of the rundown, and obviously we've added uh, a podcast hotline and incorporated more uh, folks. We've done shows on the road. We have had guests. Uh, as we've said now over the last uh, month, we are in our brand new studios, and it is night and day relative uh, to where uh, to where we were. Now, you know, I had done podcasts all the way back to my ESPN days. And so this is not necessarily anything new to me, but what I have seen, and this warms the cockles of my redheaded uh, American heart, is a recognition of the value um, and the opportunity and the possibility, I guess, in the podcast space. And for a lot of these big com companies, there is, you know, the traditional linear type of uh, broadcasting part of the, um, of the company. And then there's digital. And I can say this, oftentimes they are treated as the redheaded stepchild. I am a redheaded stepchild. Uh, that has started to change and dramatically. And that has happened because of all of the work. And I'm not just talking about here in Fox. In, in general, I think the industry out there recognize that, hey, there's gold in them, there hills. From our personal perspective, I don't want to speak for you, but it has given us a wonderful outlet to be able to talk about the things that we love, to be able to breathe when we are talking about them, to go much more in depth, to cover more of the subjects than our traditional television type of performance uh, gives us. And I, I love the television side and that traditional television side, but I also recognize that you know, I'm dealing with 15 second bits here. And that's part of the, the skill, if you will. And I like to think that I do it well, but this has given me a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to continue to talk about the game, to keep my chops up, to, um, to think about things also in a different way, Mossy. Uh, and you have challenged me in, in wonderful ways. I know that I am better 
in the stuff that I do for Fox television because of the hours that we spend together. And look, picking your brain is nothing that I or many others haven't done because it is so fertile uh, and you are so generous in terms of the information that you share. But I try to think about who else would I want to do this? And without getting too sentimental, uh, there's nobody else that I would want to do it because to your point, uh, you, you make this podcast. And I looked back at some, uh, some of the emails and again, I'm not the smartest guy out there, but at least I'm smart enough to know when uh, I have the ability to surround myself with good people. And we have done that uh, on camera and off camera and on camera to have you as part of this show. It has made all of the difference. And so I hope you have enjoyed it so far because while it's 400 shows, we're going to go on to 500 and beyond and we will keep, uh, keep doing this. Whenever you say nice things about me, I don't reciprocate. My mother gets very upset. So <laughs> you're great too, Alexi. Yeah. Okay, mom. Uh, no, no, but it, it's true. And, you know, you talk about uh, podcast versus TV, mm-hmm. even podcast versus radio. Like I said, when I was doing the show with Eric, you know, there's always a commercial around the corner. So if if, if Eric would carry on too long on a topic, no, Eric, carry <laughs> I, on I too- wouldn't be able to get whatever I want to say about it in with the podcast. Yeah, we try to keep these short, but they're in theory, it can be as long as we want to make it. So there is this freedom of being able to fully express your thoughts. So I do like the podcast medium for that reason. Well, look, all of that is to say to everybody out there, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for even giving us the ability to do 100, 200, 300, and now 400. And I I will emphasize again that when I go on the road, inevitably people will come up and say, hey, I listened to the podcast. Hey, say hello to Mossy. And it, I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I seem to be always surprised that anybody actually tunes, uh, tunes in and uh, listens and watches us. But I think it's relative to the way we have framed this, you know, through the lens of, um, of uh, red, white, and blue colored glasses and the incredible quality that we have working behind the scenes to make us uh, good. You make me look good, but the reality is there's a lot of men and women that make us look incredible. Yeah, last thing for me, and then it's cupcakes time. Okay. Uh, you mentioned we, when we did this back at Playa Vista, I don't want to bring back bad memories for people in the digital world, but man, we caught a weird time in Fox Sports Digital where they had stopped doing articles and got rid of all the writers and gotten rid of all the people they needed to support the writers. And so, man, walking around that building, it was depressing. There was nobody there. And to see how the digital department at Fox has built itself back up again, when we go to these World Cups now, digital, my God, it's like an army of people. There's more digital people than TV people there. Well, I think I think we also, you know, if I look back at, at, at moments and kind of seminal moments, I think the Qatar World Cup, and we were talking about this off air, was a real, um, you know, the the quality that we had, the consistency that we had, and the response that we have was really awesome. I know I had a really good time, even though it came at the end of long days and everything. I looked forward to going and sitting down with you, as I always do, but even more so than in that in that type of uh, you know situation with the World Cup. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah no, they to finish the digital point, they pivoted away from that ridiculous strategy of no right. It's a freaking website. <laughs> well, who knows? So they, they, could, they could pivot back, but I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in that, you know, the world is changing. Um, the technology is changing. Our industry is changing. Uh, it seems week to week, month to month, and certainly uh, year to year. 
And you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to uh, adopt to this. And that's why, you know, even previous segments when we were talking about being grumpy old men, we have tried not to, not to do that. Uh, and this format, I, you know, I love the fact that we are in people's ears or, you know, on their screens when they are out there at work or when they are out running or when they're in their car or <laughs> when they're in the delivery room, uh, you know, we are, we are part of, uh, their, uh, the fabric of their life. And we, we, we find out how much we are when they, when it doesn't show up in their feed <laughs> because, uh, podcasts, another thing that everybody knows it's about uh, ritual, uh, and it is about consistent behavior and making sure that you are constantly giving people the diet that they become accustomed to. And in our case, hopefully that they, that they like and enjoy, but we have big plans, folks. We are going to make this thing bigger and better. We can continue to do uh, what we do. We're going to expand. We are going to try some different things as we go along. Some of it will work. Some of it won't, but the reality is that we can't do it without all this help that we have talked about. Not the least of which is people like you that, uh, that tune in. So we thank you for that. Here's to 400 episodes of the state of the union. Here's to another 400 and beyond. And here's to all, the wonderful people uh, that we have. Some of them are going to come out here and uh, we got, we, we, we got cupcakes. Here's producer Sean coming out with some cupcakes. Look at this, ladies and gentlemen, look at this. I hope you can get a picture of this. My goodness. Uh, this look guy, this. by the way, has his bachelor party this upcoming weekend. Look at that Mossy. You should have seen uh, how, how difficult it was for everybody. And it takes a village, ladies and gentlemen, to keep Mossy from getting his grubby little hands on these things until after the show so that we can at least get this shot. This is wonderful. Thank you, guys and girls. Thank you, everybody, for everything that you do. Like I said, you make us look uh, very good. All right, enough of this, right? We have, uh, we have things to do. We have cupcakes to eat. We have soccer to watch. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, all of the uh, uh, hours and hours and hours and now years and years and years of the State of the Union. Keep reviewing. Keep rating, uh, keep subscribing, keep downloading. Like I said, keep watching, keep sending in those questions, whether it's Ask Alexi uh, or on our State of the Union podcast hotline. Keep doing all of those things. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts here for everything that you do. We're going to have some cupcakes and uh, we will talk to you again this weekend because the U.S. plays Germany. And don't forget that space is coming on right immediately after the U.S. Germany again, uh, game. But thank you. 400 shows. And onward, and until then, and as always, size the day.